let's take a moment um, and gather our hearts and ask for God's help as we come to his word. Let's pray. Lord, we've just uh, sung together that you are our living hope. And so as we open up your word this morning, um, we want to come in that spirit uh, that we need your hope in our lives and in our world now more than ever. But also that you are our living hope. We're not just reflecting on words on a page, but we're coming to listen to the voice of a living God who is here with us now, who is alive in our world, uh, in love and in power. Um, and so, Father, as we read your word, would you, by your spirit, come and speak a living word to us, speak a fresh word to us this morning that will make a difference to the people we are and the way that we live in the week ahead. Uh, come and speak to us by your word and by your spirit. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, so we're coming this morning um, to Isaiah 42. And if we can get the, the slides up on the screen. Um, I'm only going to read a few verses. Um, as always, I want to encourage you to go and read the longer passage uh, when you get a chance uh, during the week. But I'm going to read just the first four verses of Isaiah 42. And really quite a simple reflection this morning. Uh, on these verses. So Isaiah 42, reading from the beginning. Here is my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smouldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his teaching, the islands will put their hope. Um, again, I want to encourage you, as well as reading the longer passage, I think those four verses, it's a beautiful a little passage that I want to encourage you to find a quiet place this week um, and to sit with these words and let them do your heart good. Um, where are we in the book of Isaiah? We, we've passed into the middle section of the, the book of Isaiah where God is speaking to people who are in exile, who have lived through disaster, people who are far from home. And he is speaking words of comfort and hope. And, and as he's speaking those words of hope, suddenly we find in Isaiah 42, he speaks of a mysterious person. And he says, here is my servant. Or actually, more literally, what he says is, behold my servant. Look at my servant. Um, those of you who know a little bit about, about Isaiah may know this is actually the first of four passages about the servant often called the servant songs that are found in Isaiah. I want to encourage you as you read Isaiah to look out for the others as you come to them, but this is the first. Um, and I want to begin just by observing some of the things that are said about this person before we think about who it is, and you may already know. Um, 
I want to I want to just observe some of the things that are said about the servant, um, as apart from the fact that God delights in him. That's the first thing that's said. Uh, he's chosen by God, and God delights in him. But what else is said? Um, let's just observe what's said about the servant. Uh, one thing is this: that he brings justice on the earth. That's actually said three times in this short passage: that he brings justice, that he establishes justice on the earth and for the nations. Um, to bring justice, I guess one very simple definition would be it's to make right whatever is wrong. To make right whatever is wrong. And the scope of this making right is the whole earth and all the nations. Um, I'm not really going to be talking uh, directly about Ukraine this morning, but I wonder as we go into our week, how could that shape our prayers for the nations? That God's servant is the one um, who brings justice on the earth, who makes right what is wrong. Um, second thing, just to observe that's said about him, that I find so striking. He does not shout. <laughs> he does not raise his voice. There's something immediately about him that he is not loud or aggressive or self-asserting, or self-promoting, or pushy, or arrogant. He does not raise his voice in the streets. And the third thing we just notice it says about him is that he is gentle with those who are struggling. And of course, it uses those two very poetic images of the bruised reed and the smoldering wick. Um, he is gentle with those who are hurting or struggling. Um, so that's just immediately observing what's said. Um, then maybe, well, of course, we wonder, who is this mysterious person? Um, and we, we wonder about their identity. And perhaps our first thought may be, um, if we've been reading the book of Isaiah, that God, the servant is the people of Judah and the people of Israel. And the, the reason we might think that is just one chapter earlier, back in chapter 41, it said this, it said, but you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, you descendants of Abraham, my friend, I took you from the ends of the earth, from its furthest corners, I called you, and I said, you are my servant, I have chosen you, and have not rejected you. So maybe we think, this is kind of easy, it said a chapter earlier, God's servant is the descendants of Abraham, it's the people of Israel, the people of Judah. Um, and certainly this passage that we read this morning describes what Israel were called to be, to reflect God's heart, character and heart and to be a light to the nations. That is what they were called to do. But maybe we have reason to wonder how much Israel and Judah match up to what we read. And actually, a little bit later on in chapter 42, and you can go and look at this later, it speaks about Israel and, and Judah in, in these words, and it says, who is blind but my servant, and deaf like the messenger I sent, who is blind like the one in covenant with me, blind like the servant of the Lord. You have seen many things, but you pay no attention. Your ears are open, but you do not listen. So Israel and Judah are actually described as a blind servant and a deaf servant, who even though they've been given much, don't live faithfully. And so we're kind of already a little bit torn and a little bit puzzled. It looks like the servant might be Israel, but maybe not. 
And so we're a little bit intrigued. I think we're meant to be intrigued and a little bit drawn in, wondering who the servant might be. Um, of course, um, you probably know Christians have come uh, very much to see the servant songs of Isaiah as pointing to the person of Jesus. Um, Jesus is the faithful Israelite who fulfills the calling of God's people, and where they were faithless, he is faithful. And I wonder even as we read the few verses we read at the beginning, I wonder were there any of the phrases that we read that kind of rang a bell for you or resonated with what we know about Jesus? Um, I think nearly every phrase in this passage is resonant and kind of rings those kind of bells. Uh, let me mention a few of them. Uh, it begins, behold my servant, which may immediately remind us of John the Baptist saying, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, or even of Pilate saying, behold the man. Um, it's resonant of what's said about Jesus in other places. Um, or maybe the phrase, my chosen one in whom I delight, makes us immediately think of the baptism of Jesus and that voice from heaven that spoke and said, this is my son in whom is all my delight. Listen to him. Um, or maybe it's the phrase, I will put my spirit on him, which again makes us think of the baptism of Jesus and the spirit descending like a dove, or maybe makes us think of Jesus and his first sermon in Nazareth in his hometown, reading from Isaiah 61, which we haven't got to yet, and saying the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. And so that phrase also makes us think of Jesus. Or what about the phrase in faithfulness, he will bring forth justice. And maybe that makes us think of those earlier promises in Isaiah of a coming king from the house of David, from the stump of Jesse, who's going to bring a kingdom of justice and peace. And so somehow these two things come together. Jesus is the coming king, and now he's spoken of as the servant. And somehow those two terms together um, are incredibly powerful. Um, or maybe we think of that phrase that says, he will not falter or be discouraged. And maybe we remember how he set his face like a flint to go to Jerusalem and endured the cross and scorned its shame in order to make right all that is wrong. Um, he will not falter or be discouraged. Um, and so just walking through the passage, you can see why Christians have come to, to read this passage and look at Jesus and say, this is him. The servant has come among us. Um, and in many ways, it's a very simple passage this morning. And um, I want to I wanna try to apply it to our lives in, I think, three different ways. Um, uh, and maybe the first is kind of hopefully a, a big encouragement to us. And the other two maybe a little bit more of a challenge. Um, so very simple reflections this morning. And first, the encouragement. I guess I want to speak especially for those of us this morning who are feeling like a bruised reed. Or the other image, of course, is of a, a smoldering wick, uh, a light or a candle that's nearly gone out. Uh, I'm not sure which one to stay with. I'll stay with the, the bruised reed. Um, and I guess the thing I want to make sure we hear this morning is that what we've read in Isaiah 42 
this is who Jesus is this morning for you. And there's lots of reasons why you might feel like a bruised reed or like a a smoldering wick. Um, There's lots of ways that we can end up in that place. You may have been damaged by your own choices, and so the damage may be self-inflicted. You may have been hurt by other people and bruised and wounded. You may have been just kind of bruised and battered by life and suffering and things that have happened to you. Um, But one way or another, there's lots of people who end up in this place of feeling like a reed that if someone is not if someone is not gentle with me, I might just break. Or feeling like um, I used to be on fire for God. I used to be full of light and life. And now my light has nearly gone out. Um, there's lots of reasons why people can end up in that place. Um, you used to feel strong and confident, but now you feel really fragile. It's a course that a human life can easily take. Um, and maybe... When you, even when you come to church this morning or when, when you're listening online, maybe our minds tend to go in the direction of thinking Jesus prefer, Jesus must prefer the shiny, happy, confident, sordid people. Maybe you're looking around this room and going, I imagine Jesus is delighted to have them on his team because <laughs> um, they've kind of got it all together and they're strong and healthy and spiritually alive and shining brightly. Um, Jesus would want them on his team. And yet there's this theme that's repeated all through scripture and all through uh, the gospel, that Jesus is drawn to the bruised and the struggling and the hurting, that he's drawn like a magnet to those who feel that their little light has nearly gone out. And so I want to make sure we hear it this morning. If that is you this morning, um, Jesus wants to draw near to you and he whenever he finds a bruised reed he will not break it when he finds a a smoldering wick he will not snuff it out instead he will start to bring healing to your bruises and your wounds he'll start to breathe his gentle spirit to rekindle your flame that is who he is that is what he does and so I want to make sure we hear that this morning if you are feeling like a bruised reed or a smoldering wick This is who Jesus is for you this morning. And if you invite him, if you ask him to, he will come and gently begin begin his healing work in your life. All right, you're thinking, I I like the encouragement. I'm not sure I want the challenge. You ready for a wee bit of a challenge? Um, Challenge is this. Um, I found myself as I read this passage wondering what, oh, that's not the image I want. That's the image I want. Um, What kind of leaders and voices are we listening to in our lives? Um, There are many cultural commentators who have noticed a trend in recent years where because our world at the minute seems especially uncertain and chaotic and threatening, sometimes in in a time like that, people can be drawn to leaders who are loud, who are self-confident and assertive and brash and even a bit aggressive, uh, but who people say they get stuff done and they seem really certain about everything that they do. Um, They're often described as the strong man model of leadership. And maybe I'll risk saying 
this morning, probably the, the most prominent example in our world right now is Vladimir Putin in Russia. And there are many who admire that kind of leadership because they feel in a time of uncertainty, that's what we need. And I find this passage in Isaiah 42 so challenging because it calls us in a very different direction. The one God delights in is not loud and self-promoting. There's something about this passage that says the wisest voices may be more quiet and less obvious. And so I'm struck by the fact we may need to go, go looking for them because the algorithms of social media and YouTube and everything will always promote the loudest voices and the strongest opinions and the brashest personalities. And so if you want to find the voice that's not raised in the streets, you've got to go looking for it a little bit. Where will we find the voices of wisdom and the faithful servants? And there's something for us to think about there. It's, it's human and it's understandable in a time of uncertainty that we sometimes are drawn to the loud. But God's servant in whom he delights does not shout or raise his voice in the streets. So where do we find voices of wisdom in our world and in the church uh, and as we look around us? Last thing I want to reflect on for a few minutes um, is that you and I are called to be the servant of Isaiah 42 um, for those around us. Um, maybe in the beginning, this was it's, it's a description of Israel, but they didn't live up to that calling. It's a description of Jesus, and he fulfilled it in every way. But now he calls us, he sends us as he was sent. And so we as the people of God are called to live out the characteristics of the servant of God. And I, I found that really challenging to reflect on this week. Um, again, I think because of the changes that are going on in our culture, um, Christians can often feel threatened and insecure, uh, can feel like our, our influence is waning. Uh, we don't understand what's going on. Things are changing too fast. And when we feel that way, when we feel threatened, and insecure, it's really tempting to just raise our voices and to shout louder and to try to drown out the other voices. Again, that's really human and really natural that we react in that way. What does Isaiah 42 call us to? Um, I, I read in the paper uh, a couple of months ago um, a story that disturbed me to my core. Um, I was reading about uh, in the wake of uh, the death of that young woman in um, County Offaly, um, there was a protest in Dublin arranged by a group of women um, uh, protesting against violence against women. Um, there was a group of religious men um, who regularly held a, an open-air service in Dublin um, who moved their open-air event to be in the same place as the women's protest and then turn the volume up as loud as they could to drown out the voices of the women. Now, I'm not one to comment on the specific politics of anything, but I'm one to say as a symbol of how we can go wrong, it's one of the worst I've ever heard. Is that what we do when we don't want to understand what's going on in our culture? Just turn the volume up and shout louder and try and drown out the voices of others. It, made me sad, uh, made me angry. Um, 
I'm reminded of the words of the Christian novelist Marilyn Robinson, who says, nothing true can be said about God from a posture of defense. And what did she mean by that? She meant we, we can't witness to the truth about God if we're being angry and aggressive and prickly and strident and defensive. We can only witness to the truth of Jesus in the way of Jesus, which is the way of the servant of Isaiah 42. Um, I find myself thinking this week, um, and I think this is really important, it's a mistake to think that the loudest voices are the most confident. I think that's a mistake. Behind the bluster of the loudest, brashest voices, there's always deep insecurity and fear. Um, and I find myself reflecting, why does Jesus not need to raise his voice? And I think the key is because he is confident in the love of the Father. Um, he remembers that moment when the voice from heaven said, this is my son in whom is all my delight. And everything that he does and says comes from that place. And so as Jesus goes about his life in the Gospels, you can see he has nothing to prove. He doesn't need to win the argument or have the last word or prove anything to anybody. Because those who are confident in God's love don't need to shout or raise their voice. Um, by the way, um, small note uh, on, that, on that issue of raising our voice. Uh, maybe something in your mind is saying, there, is there not a time when we need to raise our voice? And there is. Um, actually, in Isaiah 40, it says, lift, lift up your voice with a shout. So there is a time to raise our voice. But and all through the Psalms, you get encouragements to shout uh, to the Lord and so on. But crucially, it's not raising our voice to shout at our neighbor or argue with our neighbor. It's raising our voice to worship God and to encourage one another. And it's a shout of joy and not of anger. Um, so there's a challenge there. If you and I are going to live like the servant, what does that mean? At a time when we feel a little insecure or a little threatened, how will we speak? Will we be like Jesus? Um, or will we go a different way? Um, the very last thing I want to uh, bring as a challenge in terms of us living as the servant is I think there's also this question, which is, who are the bruised reeds and the smoldering wicks around us? As you and I go about our lives, there are people we rub shoulders with every day who are bruised, who are hurting, who are struggling, who feel like their light has nearly gone out. And if you and I are going to embody the, the same ministry that Jesus embodied, the same love that Jesus embodied, um, then our calling is to go to those people and bring that same gentle healing love uh, that Jesus brought. So who are those people around you and I? There's so many people in our culture, in our community, who are wounded and bruised and hurting. Some of them wounded by the church and by Christians, some of them by life and its hurts and disappointments, some of them by their own choices. Um, so many who used to shine brightly and now their, their light has nearly gone out. How can you and I go and show the gentle love of Jesus to them? I find myself wondering, what if we spent less time raising our voices in argument and more time reaching our hands to the wounded and the struggling. And I, 
I was really struck this week, by, I guess, by this thought. As I, as I thought about people I know, and many of them in this room, um, do you know how you can tell the ones who are confident in the Father's love? Uh, you know how you can tell the ones who are confident in God's love and delight? I think it's this, that they're just out there quietly getting on with it. Um, my own parents have been an example to me of this. Many of you in this room have been an example to me of this. But they are just out there getting on with it. No, no fanfare, no self-publicity, not trying to make a name for themselves, not trying to prove a point, not trying to win an argument, but just going where there are hurting people and carrying the love of Jesus and carrying the hope of Jesus and the hope of the gospel. And they're just getting on with it every day. Um, I hope there are people who come to mind for you who are like that. Uh, whenever we see them, you know what we can say? We can say like, Isaiah 42, look, that's God's servant. And God delights in them. And God's spirit is on them. And through them, God is doing his work in our world of making wrong what is right as they share the love of Jesus and the hope of Jesus and the hope of the gospel. Um, I hope, even as we say that, it kindles a desire in you to be that kind of person. The same spirit that was on Jesus has been given to you. And you and I are sent to witness to the truth of Jesus in the way of Jesus, in the way of the servant. Um, let's pray uh, as we finish, and then we're going we're gonna to sing a song uh, together. Let's pray. Father, I want to pray. Um, I want to pray for anyone here today tuning in online, watching later in the week, um, who right now feels like that bruised reed or that smoldering wick, who's feeling bruised and maybe broken and who's feeling like their light has nearly gone out. And Father, I want to pray, would you come by your spirit and rekindle hope this morning? that Jesus is here for them. And he is here to bring healing and he's here to bring salvation and he's here to bring hope and he's here to breathe life back into us and rekindle that flame. Father, I want to pray, whoever especially needs that touch of your spirit this morning, would you draw near, gentle Jesus, and do your healing work and restore hope. And Father, I want to pray for all of us this morning. You know all the reasons why in our fear, in our insecurity, we can sometimes become brash and angry and pushy. Father, we know our world is crying out for people who embody the genuinely confident, gracious, gentle love of Jesus. So, Father, we want to pray, would you fill us with your spirit? Would you send us into the world as your confident sons and daughters? Would you send us to the hurting and the broken? And would you show us this week who the people are around us who are bruised and hurting and hopeless? 
Father, help us to share your love with them. Help us to share your hope with them. Help us to gently point them to Jesus, our servant king. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he is our saviour. Thank you that he is our example.